Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Happy Lord's Day, friends. Pro-Life Leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our time of scripture and prayer together. It's great to have you with me. Uh, we are live uh, here this morning on the Lord's Day, and we are going to put ourselves in His presence, delve into His Word. Uh, you know, I was uh, traveling um, yesterday. I uh, was out in, uh, where was I? I was up in Michigan. Michigan, and uh, there's a statewide pro-life group called Right to Life Lifespan, and uh, they had a luncheon at which I was the key speaker. It was, together with one of their state legislators, who's a very good pro-life uh, man himself, uh, but it was a legislative update luncheon, and I was there to give, uh, you know, in Michigan it's very pro-abortion, and yet there are still things that pro-life people can do to move the ball forward in protecting the unborn. And I was giving them some strategic uh, guidance based on the situation there in Michigan. Just prior to that, I was at the, the conference, the National Conference of NIFLA, the National Institute of Family and Life Advocates. I was with about 300 pregnancy center directors, medical staff, and volunteers from around the country. Great gathering. We had an exhibit booth there, and uh, it's always encouraging to see those folks. So let's go into the presence of God now. I'm back in the office today. Next couple of days, then I have to travel down to Mar-a-Lago uh, on Wednesday, and then I got to go up to Washington, D.C. on uh, Thursday, and uh, many, many good things uh, in the works here. So let's turn to the Lord in prayer, and uh, then listen to His Word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Father, we are aware of Your presence, and we want to... Immerse ourselves in your presence. We want to hear your word and live it. We want to repent of not having heard it in the past or of having ignored it, betrayed it, sinned against it in any way whatsoever by word, action, or omission. We repent of our past sins, Lord God, but we rise in joyful repentance. We know that we can change, not because of our own strength, we know that we can change because you transform us by the power of your Spirit. And so we want to receive that Spirit again today. We know that we can change because your Word is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. We know that we can change. And we know that we can change others by the proclamation of your Word, which has a power far beyond what we ourselves can do. Let us never lose confidence in the power of your word. And we pray right now, Lord God, for the preaching of the word. Right now, the word is being preached in churches throughout our nation and across the globe. May those preachers never lose confidence in the power of the word. And may those who hear it never lose confidence in its power either. Its power to purify them of sin, enlighten their path, console them in sorrow, and enable them to have victory over evil. Lord, give us deeper faith in your word. Now we delve into that word, and we do so joyfully. Give us your grace and your spirit to live this Lord's day in joy. 
through Christ our Lord. Amen. I want to give you the full complement of readings uh, here that is uh, proclaimed today. And we'll sing the psalm, which is, I love you, Lord, my strength. He is our strength, brothers and sisters, as we confront many evils in the world. Um, we'll read these readings and then comment on them. A reading from the book of Exodus. Thus says the Lord, You shall not molest or oppress an alien. For you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If ever you wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. My wrath will flare up and I will kill you with the sword. Then your own wives will be widows and your children orphans. If you lend money to one of your poor neighbors among my people, you shall not act like an extortioner toward him by demanding interest from him. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you shall return it to him before sunset. For this cloak of his is the only covering he has for his body. What else has he to sleep in? If he cries out to me, I will hear him. For I am compassionate. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength. O Lord, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. I love you, Lord, my strength. My God, my rock of refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Praised be the Lord, I exclaim, and I am safe from my enemies. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock. Extolled be God, my Savior. You who gave great victories to your king and showed kindness to your anointed. I love you, Lord, my strength. <clears throat> A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Thessalonians. Brothers and sisters, you know what sort of people we were among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction, with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you became a model for all believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and in Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything. For they themselves openly declare about us what sort of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living God, the true God, and to await His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the coming wrath. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. 
And one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the greatest and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. And hence we have the readings for today, brothers and sisters. Love your neighbor as yourself flows directly from loving the Lord our God. Because He loves all of us. He made us in His image. To love Him requires that we love one another. Better than thinking of it in terms of requires is think of it in terms of it's part and parcel of it. It flows from it. It's going to happen. If we love the Lord, of course we're going to love those who are made in His image. Of course we are going to love those He died for. It flows from it. Don't just think of it as, I'm giving you this command, I'm telling you to do this, and then I'm telling you to do that. It's not just I'm telling you to do this and that. It's that that flows from this. Love of neighbor is so integral to love of God. That's why Jesus is saying you can't separate the two. As soon as you hate your neighbor, as soon as you go against your neighbor, as soon as you fail to love your neighbor, you don't have to do anything else to stop loving God. You have failed to love God right in that very act, right in that very failure to love your neighbor. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean, actually? Love your neighbor as yourself. Brothers and sisters, the first reading, and and when when you look at the Sunday readings, by the way, and you have three readings, usually Old Testament, New Testament, and a Gospel reading, Look for the connections between the Old Testament reading and the Gospel reading. Those are connected with each other. The Gospel reading is determined and then an Old Testament reading is chosen that somehow relates to it or helps interpret it. And this book of Exodus passage from Exodus 22 is talking about love of neighbor in very concrete, practical, physical terms, right? Very concrete, practical, physical terms. And it's talking about the alien. It's talking about um, the neighbor. The neighbor. And it's talking about something as simple and yet profound as the neighbor's cloak. And God is saying to his people, return your neighbor's cloak to him before the end of the day because that's all he has to wear And I'm going to be paying attention to that. I'm going to be paying attention to that, God says. I will hear him if he cries out to me, for I am compassionate. That's why we love our neighbor as a result of loving God, because the Lord is saying, I'm loving your neighbor. I'm compassionate. I will hear him. Reminds us, doesn't it, of the burning bush? God said to Moses, I have heard the cry of my people who are being oppressed. And that's why he told Moses in Exodus 3, go and set them free. What else does it remind you of? 
What was the first murder? What, what, what reminds you, when, what passage comes to mind when you hear that God hears something? First murder. Cain kills Abel. What did God hear? The cry of his blood. The cry of his blood. God heard it. He said, that's why he went looking for Cain, and then he said, where is Abel? I have heard his, the cry of his blood from the ground. Abel couldn't speak, but his blood could. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's something very profound taking place here about the heart of God and the ears of God. He hears. He's compassionate to the cries of the poor. Another great psalm that we could that we could sing. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. Blessed be the Lord. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise ever in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. For he hears the cry of the poor. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. Blessed be the Lord. One of my favorite psalms. And um, he hears. Why, why do we have to love our neighbor? Because if we're going to be like God, and loving God, by the way, is, again, it's not just the fulfillment of an obligation. It's the transformation of us into God's likeness more and more. We're created in God's likeness, but th that means we're meant to grow into God's likeness. And so we develop that compassionate ear to hear the cry of our neighbor. Now, if God cares about the cloak that our neighbor is wearing, and he's going to hear if the neighbor loses his cloak, how much more is he concerned about those who might lose their lives? Love your neighbor as yourself. The as yourself part means don't let anything that's different about your neighbor confuse you about the fact that he's your neighbor. Don't let anything that is different about your neighbor make you think your neighbor doesn't have dignity like you, doesn't have rights like you, isn't human like you. Don't let the differences between you and your neighbor distract you from loving him or her. That's the point here. Love your neighbor as a person like yourself. Don't look down at them. Don't say, oh, that's a stranger. Oh, that's a sick person. Oh, that's a poor person. I'm more rich and influential and powerful than them. Oh, that's a weak person. Oh, that's an outcast. Oh, that's somebody against whom somebody else has set up a barrier. That's somebody who, who other people are, are shunning, so maybe I should shun them too. This is a person who, who, who oh, he's, that's a sinner. I'm not going to associate with him as if we're not sinners. That's a sinner. This person did this and this person did that. We can't associate with them. Enough! God says that's your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself, knowing that he or she is a person like yourself knowing that he or she has the same rights and dignity as you do, knowing that he or she is one for whom the Lord Jesus would have died on the cross like he would have for you if you were the only person that needed to be saved. Love your neighbor as a person like yourself. And what exclusions do we see here? 
What exceptions does God put here? That's the point. None. There are no exceptions. There are no exclusions. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your unborn neighbor as yourself. This is right at the core, isn't it, of the passion that burns in our souls and that constitutes my full-time work and some, some of you, or at least part-time efforts that you all do, to save our unborn neighbors. Does this apply to them? Isn't it amazing how some people who claim to be Bible-believing Jewish or Christian people will exclude the unborn? Based on what? They're not a different species. You can't demonstrate biologically that they are anything other than human. And when you look at the baby in the womb, see that new app, by the way, See Baby Grow. We are the prime promoters of that resource, See Baby Grow app. Tell me if that's not a human being. And so how, how would the command, and I stress it's a command, be any less applicable to the unborn than to anybody else? And yet it is. In reality, in the failure, the utter failure of people to even recognize the unborn as our neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't let the differences between you and your neighbor make you think that's not your neighbor. Differences in what? Differences in age, differences in size, differences in location. They're in the womb. We've come out of the womb. We used to be in the womb. Differences in dependency. Oh, the baby can't live outside the mother's uh, body. How is that an argument to stop protecting the baby? Isn't that an argument to give the baby more protection? Oh, the baby can't survive outside the womb. Well, then why are you taking him out of the womb? That the arguments of the abortion supporters are such absolute absurdity. Oh, baby can't survive outside the womb. And that means what? That means what? That means you leave him right there. Until it's time to be born. Baby can't live outside the womb, therefore I can have, a, uh, have an abortion. What are you talking about? It's a command. Some people think it's an option. Oh, I'll love the babies if I'm, you know, if I'm, if I, if I, if I decide I'm, I'm, I'm pro-life, but uh, I, I'm not pro-life. You know, isn't it time to ask a question? What gives somebody the idea that they have a right not to be pro-life? You know, I was talking with some people yesterday at this conference. I told you I spoke in Michigan yesterday to a statewide group called Lifespan. I've spoken to them before, some of their banquets, and great, great, great group making a difference in a very pro-abortion state. But it's winnable back. It's winnable back. All the states are. And we were talking about the fact that how Priests for Life, when it first got started, some of them were telling me, oh, yes, you know, I uh, uh, was uh, talking. I, re I remember when Priests for Life first got started, I was talking with people, and they were saying, well, why would we need a Priest for Life? Isn't every Priest for Life? And I was laughing with the person. I said, yeah, that's a very, very... Uh, uh, Common question, especially at the beginning of the ministry, a very common thing that people were saying. And I kind of like the question, actually, because it's, it's, it's true. Why should there have to be a priest for life? Shouldn't every be, priest be for life? And I often say, although there are some exceptions, sadly, uh, well, there are exceptions everywhere where people are not pro-life when they should be, but 
But my point was, well, yeah, priests are pro-life. We just help them to say so, right? To say so. All right. But then we, we expanded it further because there was a, well, people there that worked with Nurses for Life. And we, and, and we said, well, what? Nurses for Life? Isn't every nurse for life? Doctors for Life. Do people ask that about that organization? Why should there be doctors? Shouldn't every doctor be for, be for life? Isn't that part of the job description? And it is. But I take the question even deeper. How in the world is it necessary to even have a pro-life movement? Think about it. Pro-life? People say, well, why should there be a priest for life? Well, why should there be a pro-life movement? What's the alternative? Even if you were going to start a pro-life, a pro-death movement, you have to be alive to do it. Do people think this through? We have a pro-life movement. Why? Isn't it kind of absurd that we actually even have to have the entire movement? That's why I like the question. People say, oh, why should we have a priest for life? It kind of reveals why we have to have a pro-life movement to begin with. If we're not in favor of life, what in the world? Who in the world are we? Some kind of, some kind of barbarian? What are we? If we don't love life. I mean, unbelievable, isn't it? So yeah, we have to have a movement. Because some people, having lost sight of the Creator, have lost sight of the creature. Some people, having lost the love of God, have completely lost the love of neighbor. Some people, who have, having lost the love of God, have lost the love for the unborn. Now this is a command. Love your unborn neighbor. Not an option. People think they have a right to be pro-choice. You don't have a moral right to favor the killing of an innocent human being. You don't. Now, this is different from people having the right to write to their opinions, okay, right to free speech, of course. But what I'm saying is, morally, does it make sense? Do we actually have a moral right to stand for the killing of babies? No, we don't. And this also shapes our pro-life strategy. You know, sometimes we ask, well, what are we to do in terms of protecting the unborn? Well, love your neighbor as yourself resembles, doesn't it, the command, uh, do unto others what you would have them do unto you, the golden rule. The golden rule flows directly from the second commandment. If you're going to love your neighbor as yourself, then you have to ask, anything that you do to your neighbor, uh, would you want it done to you? Anything you fail to do to your neighbor, would you want someone to fail to do it to you? What if your life were in danger? What do you want your neighbor to do? What would you want your neighbor to do? If your life is in danger, you want your neighbor to do everything possible to save you. And so we have to put ourselves then in the place of the child in the womb and say, well, what if we were the child in the womb, what would we want people to do or to say or to sacrifice? That's how we shape our pro-life strategy. We start with that. And we think even of pro-life laws. We think of the debate going on now, should there be a national ban on abortion? Well, first of all, we shouldn't be using the word ban so much as the word protection. These are not restrictive laws or bans. These are protective laws. These are laws that are going to save lives. And so some people say, well, you know, it's, it's uh, up to the states to decide. Well, of course, the states have more power now than ever. The battle over abortion was always in the states, but now the states can go even farther than they could before under the Supreme Court rulings. 
But the question of a national law to protect the unborn? Well, how about in the light of love your neighbor as yourself? Are our lives supposed to be protected by any kind of national laws? Isn't one of the main purposes of law to protect lives? What are we even asking ourselves? How about, how about this? Our lives are protected in Mississippi, Alabama, and Louisiana, but not New York, California, and Michigan. Who would find that acceptable? Who would find that reasonable? Who would find that compatible with the purpose of law? Who would find that compatible with the scope of government? Who would say that it is within the duty of lawmakers to pass laws to protect your life in New York, just the same as in Mississippi? And yet this is where we find ourselves in talking about the unborn. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do unto others what you'd have them do unto you. You really want legislators to say, oh, there doesn't have to be any federal law protecting, protecting John or Mary or Jim. or There doesn't have to be any federal law. Are you? Well, then what's the purpose of federal law? What's the purpose of any law? Love your neighbor as yourself. This is not something negotiable. Protecting your neighbor in the womb is not something negotiable. It's absolute. It's absolute. And it flows from that love. That love ultimately of God. I always like telling the story. If you've listened to me regularly, you've heard it. We were praying with a group of people in front of an abortion mill one day, and one of the men had his toes, inadvertently, he wasn't trying to trespass, but his toes were over the property line. And the person there in the abortion mill comes out of the door and starts yelling, get your feet off our property. And so I paused as I was speaking to the group, and I spoke to them, and I said, and when are you going to get your hands off God's property? You love the unborn, you're expressing your love for God. You protect those children in the womb, you're showing your respect, not just for their rights, but for the rights of the one who made them, God Almighty. So in His Word, in His Word, in the light of His Word, in the strength of His Word, which is the Word of life, let's turn back to Him now in prayer. Lord, we pray uh, today, first of all, with a sense of deep urgency for the state of Ohio, where a very deceptive amendment is on the ballot and being voted on right now as we speak, that would impose a fake right to abortion, unlimited abortion, not just on public policy in Ohio, but on the guide to public policy that is their constitution. Lord God, defeat this amendment. Help your people to vote no on issue one. Your church has spoken up. Our pro-life brothers and sisters have spoken up. Now we ask that the voice of conscience will speak up in the minds of all the citizens in Ohio, and they will say no to issue one. Inspire people across the nation, Lord God, who know people in Ohio to remind them, alert them, encourage them. And stop these efforts, Lord God, in other states where the pro-abortion 
Forces are trying to bring unlimited abortion, even though there is no such thing as a right to an abortion. They want to impose it on our constitutions. Stop, Lord God, that evil effort and bless the efforts of those speaking up, loving their unborn neighbor. Bless us, Lord, as we go forward and pray for one another. We, we lift up in prayer all those that have expressed their prayer intentions to us or hold them in their hearts. Lord God, grant all these intentions. Meet all these needs. We ask you to bless, Lord God, the people of Israel and protect them from terrorism because these hateful terrorists whom we ask you, Lord, to, to stop in their tracks are not just against our brothers and sisters in Israel, they are against us. Lord God, we pray for peace, but we don't pray for some kind of vague, undefined peace. Let's pray more specifically for an end to terrorism, for a divine roadblock to the hatred of terrorist groups like Hamas. They don't want peace. They don't want peaceful coexistence. Lord God, we ask you to stop the hatred of these people against Jews, against Americans, against the world, against anybody who's not like them. Stop them, Lord God. They have menaced the world long enough. Bring peace. Bring conversion. Bring respect for life. Bring respect for religious freedom. Bring respect for the Jews. Respect for America. Respect for all. Bless us, Lord, as we go about this day worshiping you, rejoicing in your spirit, relaxing with friends and family, and rejoicing in your word. And we pray now in the words Jesus gave us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother who enables us to love our neighbor, our unborn neighbor, as ourselves. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, um, tonight, join me live again. 8 o'clock Eastern Time tonight, we're going to have a prayer time for Ohio. Now, it's not only for Ohio, it's really for the pro-life cause in the whole nation because if this pro-abortion amendment passes in Ohio, that just emboldens the other side to do this in many other states as they already intend to try to do. But we've got to stop them. This is, uh, this is terrorism against the unborn. They want full-scale, no-limit abortions and uh, a lot of other things too. Um, they want to go against parental rights. They want children to be able to have uh, transgender surgeries. They, they have no respect for God, life, or the family. Join me tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, right here on these channels where you're watching, 
And we're going to pray. Alveda King will join me, Dr. Alveda King. She's been part of our ministry here for, uh, for decades. Sister Didi is going to be part of the program as well. You know Sister Didi, many of you do. And uh, a bishop is going to be joining us for part of the program too. Guess who that might be? Bishop Joseph Strickland. Uh, for, so tonight, Alveda King, Bishop Strickland, Sister Didi, and myself, and you. Let's put in that final piece of the puzzle, and you. Bring as many uh, others as you can. Spread the word today in any way you can. Uh, and let's get a time of prayer tonight for Ohio that will be truly uh, effective. And it'll also be educational. We'll, we'll, we'll not just uh, uh, pray, but we will uh, educate the listeners, the viewers, the participants in what this, uh, what this amendment means. And also I'll give a little reflection. Why are these pro-abortion people doing this uh, so, so much in all these various other states as well? What is their strategy? What is their rationale? What are they afraid of? because uh, there's a lot that they're afraid of. So tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, if you're watching on my Facebook page or on Getter, on Rumble, uh, YouTube, uh, Twitter, or X as it's called, uh, it'll be uh, going to all these channels, wherever you're watching now, endabortion.tv or any of these other platforms where we send our program simultaneously, it will be there. Also, on, speaking of all these different platforms, please make sure you're following me on each of these platforms. And uh, if you are, you'll see some photos from the events I just told you I was at this past week, uh, yesterday in Michigan, speaking for a statewide group. And then uh, the few days before that, three days with the people of NIFLA, National Institute of Family and Life Advocates, the pregnancy centers around the country, a great gathering in Virginia. You'll see some nice photos uh, that, of my uh, my uh, interaction with some of these great uh, leaders and activists. So God bless you. Happy Lord's Day. Thanks for joining me here today. We will talk to you tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's pray for Ohio. Let's pray that we may love our unborn neighbors. God bless you. Hello, this is Father David Begany. Like many priests, I am inspired and always learning from the Ministry of Priests for Life which is one of the largest and most visible pro-life organizations in the world. This ministry relies on your financial support to be able to do its work, produce its programs, and travel the world to advocate for the unborn. May I ask you to support Priests for Life generously? Go today to prolifegift.org and give as generous a gift as you can. Thank you so much and be assured of our daily prayers for you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.